Hello, you guys. It is me. I just wanted to pop in before this week's episode to chat with you a little bit. Um, and also just to remind you that this episode that you're about to listen to is so fun. Michael is amazing. You're going to love him if you don't know him already. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, then you probably already know what I'm about to say, but you deserve this moment, this formal, this is like your formal invitation to my sweet 16. This is the moment where I hand you an iPod Nano that you're allowed to keep that plays my invitation. I'm doing a girl group series. We are starting the girl group series. It's finally happening. I'm so excited for it. It's going to be so good. Um, and I'm excited to do some episodes alone. It's been a, a while since you and I just sat down and chatted with each other. So it's going to be really, really cool. I have an entire list of girl groups that I'm ready to go down. I know that you guys are dying for the Danity Kane episodes. And I know that because you have made it very clear. And I'm really excited to dive into those too. Um, I will let you know, first and foremost, though that I'm not starting with Danity Kane. That will be a little bit down the line. I know, don't kill me. I've already kind of been prepping this, so I have to go in the order of whatever. It's a whole sausage is made situation, but I'm actually gonna be starting with the Pussycat Dolls. I'm gonna be starting with Robin Anton's <laughs> brothel group, the Pussycat Dolls, which I'm very excited about because there is some crazy shit that involves that group and we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. We're going to talk about pop stars. We're going to go very deeply into Eden's crush because there is no pussycat dolls without Eden's crush. We're doing all of it. We are finally having the Eden's crush moment that we deserve. And I'm really excited. Um, I have one episode. I have one album review left next week. It is major. I'm just going to say that it's major. It's a big deal for me. I'm going to try not to go overboard and fangirl and be, but I have a, I have a guest next week that I am like, I could cry with how excited I am, but I won't ruin it. Anyway, enjoy this episode with Michael. I love you guys so much. I'm so excited for us to finally have some, just some girl time at the kitchen table with a, a pack of parliaments kicking our feet. I love you. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to episode whatever this is of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady. And I'm very excited about today's episode. It's very fun. It's very random. And it's very exciting. I am joined by Michael. Is it Kadosh? Is it truly Kadosh? Yes, Kadosh. Just not Kadosh, okay. but Kadosh works okay. fine. Kadosh, Kadosh. It's Hebrew for holy. So in Hebrew, it's Kadosh, if you, any of you guys speak Aww. Hebrew. So. Joined by Michael <laughs> Holy today from the Planet 2000s podcast. <laughs> Michael, how are you? I am good. I am doing really well. I mean, the, as well as I can be. I live in Toronto, and it sucks here mm -hmm. right now. So, I mean, just going through day by day and doing my thing. I, I, I'm okay. Let's put it that way. I'm okay. okay <laughs> I wish I was in, like, the U.S. or something. But um, I don't know about that. <laughs> we have our ups and downs here in the U.S. We're always going through it. No, yes. 
if you were here now, you would understand. It's just really bad here right now. Like, every, it's just like we've been in a lockdown for six months and just we're pretty much the embarrassment of the world. It's kind of sad, but it's all good. <laughs> I'm still kicking. Listen, we are doing the best we can. We've got a bunch of hillbillies here that don't even think coronavirus is real still. So, you know what I mean? I did pass a uh, sign the other day of uh, a spray paint that said COVID is fake. And I was like, oh, God. It's like... That's not good. We're doing the best that we absolutely can. This is why I do a podcast and why you do a podcast where we don't have to live in the present. We just live in the past Fact. all the time. I don't I don't live in the present. I live in my own world. And that world is situated in around 2002 is where I've pretty much figured out is where I am. Yeah, 2002 is a good place to be. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if you guys have read the, the uh, description of today's episode, you know what we're doing. And this is huge. We are talking today about the Spice Girls. We are going to break down the Spice Girls debut album, Spice. And I know that this isn't your first rodeo. This is like what you do on a weekly basis, basically. Yes, absolutely. I'm a huge Spice Girl fanatic since I was three years old. Honestly, I'm assuming three years old. It's since I can remember. So my earliest memory is probably around three. And I know I love these girls and I love this album too. They're all great albums, but this one in particular is definitely a uh, like classic. If you can call a pop album, a classic classic, Mm -hmm. this is, this is it. This would be it. If that makes sense. Well, what was your, so tell me your Spice Girls story and what was your introduction to this album? Well, okay. So to this album is different than to the Spice Girls, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So how I was introduced just to the Spice Girls. So I have two older brothers. They are six and nine years older than and nine years older than me. So obviously, like they were a little bit of a generation right before me, but like right in the middle. So when I I guess I was two because that's when these albums came out. The Spice World album and Aqua Aquarium. My brother Daniel, he had them. He was like eight. And everybody loved the Spice Girls at the time. It wasn't like a boy girl thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was everybody loved the Spice Girls. And I guess he would play it and I took a huge liking to it. I do have this one memory of I guess I was eating Cheetos or something and my my brother's like, Mom, Michael got Cheetos on my Spice Girl CD. So when that happened, my mom then realized, okay, I have to buy him his own Spice Girl CD. And so Spice World was the first one I ever heard. Okay. And then when my, and I was like three or two. And then when my cousins who were a little bit older than me, like I would have been two, three, they would have been like eight, saw that I liked Spice Girls. One year, I think it was my fourth birthday. My cousin gave me a huge bag of tapes. And in the tape bag was the Spice album. And I obviously knew like wannabe and stuff because I had the movie Spice World, but I didn't know like Last Time Lover and something kind of funny, whatever. So this album I learned through the cassette tape that was my cousin Jennifer's that she gave me on my fourth or fifth birthday. I can't remember exactly. And I wore that tape out. I used to bring it to show and tell in (laughs) school. Like that was what I was bring to show and tell, my Spice Girls tapes. And that's how I became introduced. And then the monster was birthed. And actually, it they are the first music I've ever listen to them and Shania because my dad would listen to Shania but Spice Girls like before Britney so it's like right really the inception of my love for music and the freak that I am today is because of these five British women so that's amazing wait so how did your so since you were introduced to them so young how did your relationship to them change when you got a little bit older like when you were like a tween or a teen I was 
so I, I don't know if I've stressed enough to you how obsessed I was with the Spice Girls when I was a little boy. Like, I had every tape, every concert, every video I had seen, every song I knew. Would watch these every single day on loop, on repeat, until I was about nine. And then by the time I got a little older, they just stayed with me my whole life as these are the women of my life. I actually saw their reunion tour when I was 12. So there was a whole resurgence there, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's never left me. I'm I just, I, I'm devoted and loyal to these bitches to the day I die. I get it. <laughs> the, you know, the Spice Girls is a weird thing because it's like, like when I was taking notes and I was like trying to take notes about like Wannabe, for example, it's like, it's so right. hard to even try and like critique a song like that because it lives in yeah. the zeitgeist so much. Like, it's just, I don't know my world without them. And you know what I mean? I just don't, I don't even know what that looks like. So it's hard to even like give a fair critique when it's like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I had the same problem when I was doing, um, I did an album review of Millennium of the Backstreet Boys album with uh, Kelly uh, yes. from Laguna Biatch. And I was like, how do you critique I Want It That Way? It's You it's, don't. You can't. It's like critiquing a baby one more time, mm -hmm. a genie. You know, it's like these songs are just ingrained in our life history. That's why I'm also very aware that I'm ridiculously biased when it comes to the Spice Girls because they really are the foundation of me as a person. Why do I say that? Because music is the biggest part of my life and it's my biggest passion and just pop culture. And they were the first for me. So because of that, it doesn't really matter. Like I. I will always think everything they do is fantastic simply because of that. Although in all fairness, it is fantastic. So like, whatever, but yeah. yes. Well, you're in a safe space then if that's, if that's <laughs> it's <good>. already. <laughs> well, before we get like super, super deep into it, can you just really quickly tell people what you do on your podcast so that they can listen and know where to find it? Yes. So, so my podcast is called Planet 2000s. A huge reason why I wanted to do Spice Girls with you is because I can't really, I don't really get to speak about them on my podcast because they're really more 90s. I mean, there was forever and we'll get to that. But so my podcast is thousands, right? So basically what I do is every episode I choose an album and us fans of pop culture, pop music know that an album isn't just an album. An album is an era. Mm -hmm. An album is everything. You know, there's, there's the songs, but there's what happened behind the making of those songs, what inspired those songs. Then there was what happened in the studio, what happened in their life while they were making the album, when the album came out, how was it received? What were their looks like? Every album has an aesthetic, right? What was the performances like? And what I like to do is I try to find like kind of obscure interviews of these singers of mine that I love. And I try to just make a story out of it. And I basically tell you guys the story of the album through my eyes, but also through yours because they're the albums of our lives and of our childhood, right? So it has the whole nostalgia attached to it. And it's a short little, like, I wanted to make it so that it's kind of like how long an episode of Friends or Moesha would be mm -hmm. because it kind of just, you know, you don't feel too lost into it. It's like, it's like it's the, just the right amount. And I feel like it's actually more challenging to do it because I have to fit more in a small amount of time, but I love a good challenge. And I like, I love the way the final product always comes out. And yeah, if you're a fan of old school Y2K, 2000s, all that good stuff, uh, you'll love it. So I hope you check it out. <laughs> I tell my friend Dara all the time who does the Lay Do You Remember This podcast that we exist in the same Marvel universe. And it's yes. the same of you and I. Like if you listen to this podcast, you oh, will God. like Michaels, obviously. Um, 
same. We like all the same music, all the same artists, all the same pop culture moments. We, I'm sure we have the same memories. Like, right. I love it. <laughs> well, let's start breaking down this fucking album. I'm so excited. It's a moment. It's a train. It's a, it's a plane. I don't even know what I'm saying, but it's an adventure. It is a automobile. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's start by talking about fucking wannabe. I know that I just said it's almost impossible to critique this song, but we've got to try our best. So what are your thoughts, just sort of surface level, about the song wannabe? I have a lot of thoughts about it. So in terms of just the song itself, I feel it's a brilliant pop song. Why? Because it's the simplicity of the melody, but it's also very clever, their lyrics, if you want to think, if you if you really think about it, like the way that it kind of switches into like a rap in the bridge, it's very, it takes a, not a mundane topic, but a topic that's not really too deep or anything like that and gets so creative with it. Mm-hmm. And it's so melodically strong and sonically strong. And also they just sound so great on it, not in the way of like a technical singing way, but in just you feel the unity with their voices and you really feel what they're singing Mm -hmm. and it's just so fun and it's so positive. And that instrumental is just so iconic and recognizable, but like everything from the to the, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, there's a part where it goes, Oh yeah. Like, (laughs) so like, Oh my goodness. It reels you in so well. My only issue with wannabe is it's kind of like Britney's Toxic. It's the song everyone knows. So it only annoys me to the point where people don't realize how amazing their other discography is. So I have a little bit of animosity to it, but it's not the song's fault. That's really people's fault. And I don't, and people are annoying. So like, what else should we expect? Right. The song is amazing. I love that they wrote it in like 15 minutes. I, I don't know if you heard that story, but they wrote it like that. And I feel like that's where the best songs come from. And you can also tell they wrote it, which is why I love it so much. Um, classic. One of the best pop songs of all time. I said it. Oh, it's true. Without, I mean, without any question. And I, I think one of the things that I love about this song is that as a debut single, not only from this band, but from this album, it really, in a nutshell, tells you everything that you need to know about who these girls are, what they stand for, what they sound like like what they believe. I mean, this song is them in a nutshell. Uh, Actually, I wrote down a quote from the Metro. This is a review from when the album came out that said, from its lyrical themes of female solidarity to its insanely catchy pop hooks and mischief making promo, the worldwide chart topper encapsulated everything that made the group so spellbinding in the space, in that space of just two minutes and 52 seconds. And it's true. Like you learn everything every single thing about them down to like who they are individually during the rap everything yeah i i love that quote that's the best way to put it yeah it's the perfect introduction to them it's a lot of artists have this issue where they don't really know their identity and it takes them a while or a few albums to find it or in some artist case they never even get to put out that album because they just every song never hit it these girls it's like they hit it on the mark like this is us this is our sound this is our image it's just it was perfect 10 on 10 in two minutes and two fifty and uh, 52 seconds they got it immaculately i couldn't agree with that quote and i do i feel like i have to say i I took notes on this because it would be inappropriate to talk about the spice girls and not bring it up the song obviously the importance of this song is that it is about female friendship and like 
how much more important your friendships are than like boys, right? Um, and that leads into this conversation about the Spice Girls and like their brand of feminism, because that's like right. who they are, you know, aka girl power, girl power yeah. right? And yeah. in reading about them, I think one of the interesting things that you'll find is like there's this much larger conversation about like the girl power movement of the nineties, obviously. And we know for sure that like the Spice Girls are directly they're They come directly from like the riot girl nineties moment, yeah. you know, like they're like, gonna say. <laughs> they're like the like hand sanitizer book bag, like barrette version of nineties riot girl. But like, and it's controversial because there are some people who are very like against it. But in my opinion, it's like these girls taught millions of young girls like intro to feminism. Yeah. And my thoughts on that is you're right. Yeah. It came straight out of the whole riot girl movement. And even in the nineties, there was the whole movement. Like there was just a lot of angsty female artists. Mm-hmm. Like there was Lannis, there was um, the Cranberries, you know, there was a hole with Courtney Love. And that was kind of like the girl power thing why I actually love the, what the Spice Girls did is because they, they brought it to mainstream, but they brought it to children because through pop music, through music that children can listen to and relate to. And I think that that's why it was able to spread so much wider. And so people can have say what they want to say about it. But at the end of the day, the, the base message spread so much wider than it could have with the previous movement. But isn't that what movements are there for to inspire a next movement or a next extension of that? And to this day, I really can't, I mean, I guess you could say Beyonce, but I don't, or like Christina in some moments, but I can't really name you other female artists that have really made female empowerment. So mainstream, like Mm -hmm. girl power. When I was a kid, I thought this meant girl power. Me too. So I thought I... the peace sign meant girl power because it was just such a str- – it was just – it fit in – and it didn't feel forced. It felt so natural. Going back to Wannabe, it all felt natural. That's their sound. They didn't have to try to find who they were. They knew who they were, and they were who they were, and it all came naturally. And I feel like when you hear a song like Wannabe, you hear girl power in it. So it didn't even have to be like a forced, like, let me just throw some mainstream on this. Like, no, it's just it was effortless for them. Right. Not yeah. That. I thought the piece I meant girl power too when I was little. I honestly did. Like it was just so perfectly embedded, like you said, embedded into their image that it's like I remember like You should see it as a kid. Every friggin' picture. <laughs> like my I don't remember my friends ever even questioning or like it was just yeah, girl power. Like it was just you know what I mean? It was just like it's completely normal and fine to walk around screaming that all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, let's move it's on to the Ooh. In the words of Jerry, it was a quite cool record. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts about Say You'll Be There? I love it so much. I think it's funky. I think it's still pop, but it has a little bit of an edge to it. The video is fucking iconic. Like... And, like, the premiere of Victoria's vocals, because she didn't really sing in Wannabe, so, like, she has such a great part in Say I'll Be There. Like, her pre-chorus part is the best part of the song, and the part where they go, yeah, I want you! Like, mm-hmm. woo! So, so legendary. Um, Emma said this in an interview once. She was like, this is when boys started liking the Spice Girls, too, because they looked hot as hell in that video. Oh, my goodness. 
loving of the whole Pulp Fiction thing that they had going on. Mm -hmm. Definitely a favorite. This song, this video, classic. I do, I do like want to be a little better, but it's still legendary. Yeah, I think one of the things about the Spice Girls that's so interesting to me because it's like, for me, like the Spice Girls are mostly like an R and B girl group because like well, so many yeah. of their songs are R and B or like funk. But people we'll get to if you dance in a minute. Exactly, like people don't really mention that when they talk about them the fact that like these songs are so heavily r&b inspired and like this song to me is the perfect example of that in terms of like the background music and it's just like i can't believe i'm using this term so so much but like it's just funky or whatever but it is no but that's the term because it has that like ooh, you know what i mean to mm -hmm. it to the to the baseline it's pretty nasty mm -hmm. i love it and i also love this song because i mean they write they've written like pretty much all of their songs, but they also oh, don't really get, yeah. yeah, they don't get credit really as like songwriters at all. People ever. always are so surprised when I tell them, I was like, you know, they wrote this, right? They're like, what? They wrote their songs? I'm like, yes, they wrote all their songs, all of them. Um, I love the story of Say You'll Be There too, because I, I know it's one of the songs that they had recorded when they were still under their old label, not old label, but um, they had a management deal. And they were like being held hostage in this deal. Mm -hmm. And they had been set up to work with this producer. I think it was the ones who, it was um, Matt Rowe, Richard Standard, I believe. And they recorded this song and Love Thing. And I don't remember one of the other ones. And then when they were like, okay, we want to go on and we want to do our thing. Their managers, they were, I don't actually think they were signed to them. That's how they were able to get out. He didn't want to give them their masters. So what they did is they literally stole them. And because they didn't have a contract, they were able to go on and say, will be there was one of the songs that they had recorded. So that song was a part of like the beginning, beginning of the Spice Girls, which is why I love it too, because I know it's like, it's basically their foundation, that song. And I think that's a pretty legendary piece of pop culture right there. I don't know. I love that. Literally what other girl group do you know is going to break into their manager's office in the middle of the fucking night and steal their masters through like a window and then leave only the Spice Girls. Really? That's some Spice Girls shit. I mean, TLC did have Clive Davis by gunpoint. That's not true, gunpoint, TLC. 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 And the girls had guns that were there, but right. bad bitches only. <laughs> and they also this is another song that they wrote in like 10 minutes and i just think it's incredible that they were able to co-write these songs as a group but and make it sound so like it just feels like all of them are so heavily involved in all these songs mm -hmm. oh yeah and i i also love that all the girls have their own individual parts and this song i feel like they all had their own moment to shine although i do feel like Mel C and Victoria are the biggest parts of this song because Mel C like takes it uh, takes it away at the end. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I I always say this is Victoria's moment in mm -hmm. the Spice Girls because mm -hmm. that I feel like this is probably their biggest song that she's on, and she looked the best in that video. I have mm -hmm. to say with that hat suit, I love their live performances of this song, especially the one in the movie in Spice mm -hmm. Girls. <laughs> oh yes. The drum, that the drummer, and the beginning with just the strings when they're like talking to each other. <laughs> oh, and Mel B like pokes Victoria's dimple. I love that moment. Yes, and when Victoria like puts her uh, face in her hand, then she goes <laughs> and smiles. Yeah. 
yes. Oh my god. And like Belby gets up and takes off her giant puffer coat and just starts doing like her iconic. Which I call. still need and want today. I need <laughs> that nasty jacket. That's that is some fashion right there. I want it. I'm also so happy that you brought up Mel C stealing the show at the end because that is like to me, so much a part of who the Spice Girls are is Mel C at the end just fucking showing out at the last one minute of the song, just fucking going nuts. Oh, yeah. Fucking going nuts. Oh, absolutely. I feel like that, the only downside of that is that that was the reputation for a while, that Mel C was the only one who could sing. When I think Emma and Mel B have pretty good voices, and Jerry and Victoria can carry a tune, whatever. But... I do feel like those are the most iconic parts of the song. So many of their songs end with her going, you know, like that's not a Spice Girl song. If you don't have that. It's so true. It's so true. And they all have good voices in different ways. Yes, exactly. They shine in their own moments. And that's why I love, that's why I say I love Victoria's part and say, I'll be there. Cause she, she does a really good job at having that kind of lower tone, but it sounds like really, really nice. And Jerry has a little bit more of a, it's not as low as Victoria, but it's also not very high. So it's just like kind of like an easy listen. And then Emma obviously has her baby moments and yeah, we love them. I love, I love them all. They all have their great voice moments for sure. I am as always very proud to announce that this week's episode is sponsored by Helix. I've always been really envious of those people who lay down and just like fall asleep, like just on command, fall into a deep, deep sleep. I have never known that world and now I do. And honestly, it feels real good. Helix is a sleep quiz that takes about two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to a perfect mattress made just for you. Helix is also very aware of the fact that it makes absolutely no sense to spend money on a mattress made for some rando. With Helix, you're getting a mattress you can guarantee will be perfect for your body. Helix also understands that every person is unique, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses, and they have mattresses that are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot like moi. And they have a Helix Plus mattress for the plus size folks. I took the Helix quiz and got matched with the Helix Plus, which I love because it's firm, but it's soft and it's cloudy. And if I could sleep in my bed for 20 hours a day, I promise you I would. So if you're in the market for a mattress, go ahead and take the quiz, order the mattress you're matched to, it comes right to your door, shipped for free, and you'll never have to go to a mattress store ever again. Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take my word for it, gal. It was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Go to helixsleep.com slash dunzo, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life, I promise. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't like it, but I can guarantee you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dunzo. Okay, so let's talk about To Become One. I'm just going to tell you right now that this song means, like, a gross amount to me. Like, it's psychotic. So be gentle. Yes. I will be more than gentle because this is one of my favorite songs okay. by them. Okay, good. Tell me all about it. Like, like of all, like, of all, of all, of all, of all time. I think it's one of the most beautiful, just 90s love songs, mm-hmm. period. And I think that they sound so amazing. I absolutely love the message mm-hmm. of the song because it's about sex, but it's it's told in a very 
a like not disgusting kind of way but also in an educative kind of way like when emma's like be a little bit wiser baby put it mm -hmm. on you know what i mean it's very and it's really cool because younger people are listening to this right so this is a thing that people need to talk about but it does it in a way where it's not uncomfortable and it's still such a beautiful song yeah so I, love <laughs> I wrote down a quote actually from Mel B where she said, it's basically a love song, but it's got a message. Make sure you put a condom on if you're going to have sex. Be a little bit wiser, baby. Put it on, put it on. We all think that it's very important. And I, I mean, as a kid, I honestly was like, this is a song about two people who are meant to be in love. And tonight they're going to become one person because they love each other. Like that was it to me. And it took me years to realize what it was about. But also, I love that we're here right now to become one because the Spice Girls have so many overtly sexual songs. Oh my god, they have so many. <gasps> and I didn't realize when I was younger at all. But like looking back, like, oh my goodness. Like I just like what you said, I actually didn't know when I was younger what it was really about. I didn't know what any song was about. I was singing Janet Jackson all for you. Guess I'm gonna have to write right. it tonight. Literally. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know what anything was about, but yes, looking back, they had so many, but they, but that's why it was so clever because like, it wasn't inappropriate that children couldn't sing it, but now those same kids are older and they're realizing, and it's like, oh, okay, very smart and clever songwriting, mm -hmm. songwriter. Yeah. And also interesting, this song was written, well, the first part of the song was written by Jerry and her ex-husband, Matt Rowe, and all the other girls, like, yeah. I don't know. They, I, I knew they were a thing. I didn't know they were married. Yeah, divorced now though, and they like they. Well, the girls like knew that this song was like written about them, so they were like making a or singing a song about Jerry and him like making love basically. But they also didn't like pressure her to talk about it, so they all just kind of whispered like, "We know that this song's about you," and it's like that's kind of cute. Yeah, it's cute. Do you think that's why they took her part off the song? Because, you know, the album version has Jerry singing in the second verse, and then the single version has Victoria. I mean, maybe, and also Victoria just sounds so fucking good in this song. Oh. It kills it. It kills it. I'm just curious how that happened. They say it's because Jerry couldn't sing that high, but that part of the song isn't even that fucking right. high. So, like, I Maybe it's because of what you just said, because it's about her. Maybe she didn't feel comfortable singing it, which would be ironic because you would think because it's about her, she'd feel more comfortable singing it. But both great versions right. of the song. The Jerry version's on the album, and then the Victoria one was the video and the radio version and whatnot. Yeah, speaking of the video, holy shit. Ooh. Oh my God, this video, the styling... Love. The I mean the at the time the technology was like mind blowing, them like it's also very oh it's beautiful it's so it's one of the most one of my favorite music videos of all time and it's so simple. It's it's simple, but it also kind of captures the essence of the song too, like the fact that it's at night and the city lights and like the water everywhere, and they have their moments together, like where Jerry and Emma are together and you know, Mel B and Mel C and whatnot. And I love that too, because that's kind of how the song is structured because in the chorus you have one line that's Emma and Jerry and then Mel C and Victoria sing that I want to make love to you, baby. And then Mel B has her part and that's kind of how they did it in the video. And I thought it was 
executed so eloquently. And another timeless classic, track by track by track. We're on track three and we're on banger, banger, banger. Like not many albums start off this strong. Right. And it's cool too, because this song, I think, was the world's introduction to how diverse they could be musically. I mean, this is not wannabe. And who would have thought, just based on that first single, that they could release a really beautiful, powerful, emotional ballad like this? You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's really effective. Yeah, and it's it's not a throwaway. I think that a lot, an issue with a lot of, like, upbeat pop artists is when, when they're so known for doing one certain type of music, whenever they kind of branch out a little bit, it becomes a little bit of a throwaway, especially with the ballads and ballads were so big at that time too. So I feel like just the fact that they were able to execute that so well and have it be so successful really cemented them as, I mean, if say you'll be there, didn't show that they're not one hit wonders to become one definitely did that because the fact that it was a top five single in America, number one, everywhere else in the world. And it was a ballad and they were, not exactly known for their voices like that's pretty telling to how great the music and the song was mm-hmm. and so my favorite adult contemporary vh1 divas like this is so vh1 <sighs> which i love i love that yes in canada it's we had much more music which was basically the vh1 right. of here we're talking leanne rhymes we're talking celine mm-hmm. dion we're talking i don't know what joe everyone good like just the best adult contemporary moments i love my brian mcknight i'm like i guess he's kind of out of contemporary right like yeah and early mariah just that whole era of music tony braxton Mm -hmm. like on and on but to be perfectly in that loop for sure i call it the blowing curtains genre oh my god yes just like it's all coming back to me now just just curtains blowing and silk 90s and you know (laughs) and 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 sometimes a thunderstorm Mm -hmm. totally absolutely um let's talk about love thing i'm interested in hearing what you think about this one i love this song i loved it when i was a little boy when i was young like like really young like listening to it this was my like favorite song on the album just because it's so fun it it, you know what it kind of sounds like with adult ears it sounds like a wannabe part two a little Mm, bit yeah because they have that like like they're singing, but they're quite obviously like you hear it. You just hear they're having fun running around and breaking shit. Like, but like not like Rihanna breaking dishes, like angry, like breaking shit, like it's fun. Ha ha, girl power. Yeah, shit. like ha 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 ha. My God, you're amazing for that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right though. It's just it's just unapologetic fun. I will say that I think this. Even though, like, to me, this album has no skips. This is, I guess, the closest you could get to it. a filler. In- Blasphemy. <laughs> in quotes. Like, if you had to pick, like, a filler song. If you had to. It would not be Love Thing. I won't accept that. <laughs> nope. Nope. <gasps> it's too Spice Girls. It's literally, you hear it, it's classic Spice Girls. I'll fight you on this one. I love them. You're losing my loving. It's so good. It's honestly so fucking good. Oh, it's so good. And uh, Victoria's, I'm not afraid of your oh. love. You know that? Oh my god. Power vocals, Victoria. Like, oh my god. And like, anytime Jerry gets to rap, because apparently Jerry like loves to rap, like was always looking for an excuse to have a little rap moment. Like, I live. 
I actually have something to say about that, but um, that'll be in the next song. So we'll pause that till the okay. next song. Well, we can, I mean, I don't have a ton more to say about Love Thing. I think it's fun. I love it. It's not my favorite song on the album, but I think it's so fucking fun. And I'll never skip it. Like ever in my life, I would ever skip it. Well, that I'll accept. Okay. You. Okay. Is that a better <laughs> answer? <laughs> Is that a more acceptable yes. <laughs> Okay. Okay. We are at like a very high point for me. Last time lover. Yes. Yes. Like a, cr- a criminally underrated Spice Girl song that they give no love. They never perform it live. And it's so, so good. I want to hear your thoughts first before I say what I was going to say about it, though, because I'm just very curious if you thought something similar. Okay. Um, Well, this is just R&B Spice Girls at its absolute peak. Um, Like, and I'm going to say that a million times, but this moment specifically is like, this is almost dark-sided. And uh, again, also one of their most overtly sexual songs. Um, I love the lyrics of this song. I just picture myself at 10 years old scream singing them and my mom hearing me sing these words, being like, like, what? This is very like striptease Spice Girls. Mm -hmm. In in their Istanbul concert, remember when they did Naked and they were naked behind mm-hmm. chairs? They could have included Last Time Lover in that medley somewhere. I don't know what they were what they were thinking not doing that. Such a good song. R&B Spice Girls at its finest. My favorite Jerry rap of all time. I call it a rap. It sounds like she's... I know when she goes, cool, yeah, sexy, come steady. Yes! <laughs> okay, so, the, so yeah, that's what I was going to say. Best Jerry rap. Funny thing about this rap is, you know, as a kid, we don't really know what the fuck we're saying, you know, and there's a part of the song um, in her rap where she says, uh, cool, sexy, ever ready. I'm reading these lyrics. I want to get this right. Someone fine, always steady, gentle hands, dirty mind. She says, use your head and don't be blind, right? The way she sings that is, don't be blind. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I thought she said blood. Okay. Because I was like, it sounds like a dark song and it sounds like a little bit moody. So like blood. So I would be like blood and I would just say blood. <laughs> and that was my favorite part of the song. And then when I got older and realized, no, she's not saying blood. I was like, really? Blast! <laughs> Blast! But still so good. And my favorite Jerry rap ever. I actually, Definitely. I wrote down the lyrics because I just can't get over how sexy they are. And like, just that read them to me okay are you ready yes listen up i gotta tell you about the ins and outs and goings on i wouldn't tell just anybody about the fox that i've been chasing he's resistant not i'm persistent he didn't stop me from honing in because i'm choosy not a floozy i I got my hit and then i'm run and then i run with it last time lover do you think i'm really cool and sexy and i know you want to get with me do you want to be my last time baby? Could it be your first time maybe? And then in the second part, she said, they say, we got up and down to do, we got up and down to it. It's weird to speak it. Like the dirty bass in the music, which I love. <laughs> I got my major chords strumming. Took some time and then we're really buzzing. First bite wet my appetite. 
Second helping's always better. Started getting burning hot. I found my pride not easy. Slowed it down. I said, stop. That's songwriting. That is songwriting. Listen, any song that includes the line, because I'm choosy, not a floozy, deserves my love. (laughs) Where are the grannies? Like, where are the... Also, where are the fucking Grammys? But whatever. Another conversation for another day. Yes, such great lyrics. So sexy. The whole strumming moment in the second verse, girl. Right. The last thing I'll say about this song before we move on from it is that um, one of my favorite things about the Spice Girls in comparison to, I think, every other girl group is that no matter what kind of song they're singing, they're so good at knowing each other's strengths and presenting them and pushing them forward they know who will sound best on what part of each song and it is always correct you know what i mean and like this song is so you know mel b's like deep sexy sort of smoky timber in her voice like is insane and then emma and her like angelic perfectly pitched tone singing the chorus and those two things together it's just butter it is. Um, also, I I appreciate how this is one of the only songs that Mel C is not even on. Mm. Is she even singing on this? Song? Barely, I think. Barely. Mel B really stole the show on this song mm-hmm. for sure. It's definitely her song, but it's her vibe. It's she always was the sexier mm-hmm. one. I feel her and Jerry always were the sexier Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's why it fit to have them on this song because it's really Jerry, Mel B, and Emma does some backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what Victoria is doing on this, but whatever. <laughs> She's pointing her finger. <laughs> oh my god! And pointing it like perfectly. Right. Might I add? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a lifetime lover. I'm a lifetime lover. Stan. I really am. <laughs> it's always the same. I never know what to wear. Uh, <laughs> dress. Oh, a little Gucci dress. <laughs> Let's talk about Mama, so I can cry real quick. Oh my god, I love this song. Oh my god. I gotta tell you, this song is one of the first times I can remember as a kid having a deeply emotional reaction to a song because obviously I looked up to these girls. I thought they were so cool. I valued everything that they said. Like, And I don't think that I had ever like been introspective about my relationship with my mom because I was so young. And then this song forced me to realize like that I'm an asshole to her sometimes as a kid. And I'll never forget that. Yeah. I definitely remember hearing the, like always loving this song and always singing it to my mom when I was a little boy, always. Um, But I remember like listening to the lyrics, even as like an eight, nine year old and hearing how they would say, um, like one of the lines is, um, I didn't mean to hear it then, but I'm not ashamed to say it now. Everything you said and did was right for me. Mm-hmm. And, or like all things like that, just about like, I didn't mean to be so bad. And I remember thinking, I was like, I hope I'm not like that with my mom, like mean to her and then like feel bad. And then I became a teenager and yeah, of course. Right, yeah, I mean, I'll help <laughs> broke loose. I'll help broke loose. And, and one thing I will say is that this song almost makes it like, so like cool to love your mom. A little yeah. Bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, love your mom, and I think it's like just a classic Mother's Day song, and it's never gonna die. It's gonna live on forever, and it's beautiful. I I still always it's this song and the Boys to Men song for Mama are the two songs mm-hmm. that I always dedicate to my mother for sure. 
this song was written by mostly my by Mel B. And I wrote another quote from her where she said, we wrote mama when I was going through a really bad phase with my mom. The sentiments are really what your mom, that your mom probably knows you best and is your best friend. She's all you've got. And she said, whether she's an overprotective mother or a bit of a landmine, she's probably, she probably knows you better than yourself in many ways. And yeah, I just remember being like, wow, like, I shouldn't like run upstairs and slam my door shut or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel bad. I'm obsessed with my mom. <laughs> I love it. And I love the music video to this song too, when they have all the, oh, all their yeah. moms are there. Yeah. And it's interesting that Mel B, because I know she had a rocky relationship with her parents. I read her book or whatever it was that she put out. And so interesting to hear that she's the one who actually wrote it because she's the one who had a very rocky relationship down the line after this right. with her um with her parents. Well, um yeah 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 you're right this will always be the the mother's day song the one yeah definitely every year get it'll rack up its streams i'm sure they still see a check <laughs> yeah. um let's talk about who do you think you are i want to hear what you think about this uh, one first this song reminds me of gay pride that's what this song reminds me of because my first ever pride where i got to go to where i was like open in myself like there was a whole like parade happening and this particular like every like floating car or it's not a floating car like the floats for like or whatever that would drive by would have songs playing and so there was one moment where this song started playing and my friend just started recording me and I was literally just dancing in the streets to this song and it was just such a moment yeah. for me so not so much like as a kid I obviously loved the song but I act this song I relate to it as like being like 21 and like feeling like fun and free because this song happened to be the song that was played the most that year at Pride and so um yeah very bouncy it's a very flamboyant song it's definitely was made for the clubs for the gay clubs um timeless yeah one of my favorites by the spice girls one of my favorite mel c moments though mm-hmm. like, yes. um and i love all of their little parts in the verses iconic yeah i i wrote in my notes that this song feels very defining of them like it just feels like one of it's I wrote in my notes that it's a, it's like a soundbite song. And what I mean by that is like, you always hear this song playing in the background of like documentaries about them or interviews, or if there's a commercial about them, this is the song that you hear in the background. Absolutely. And the classic performance at the Brits mm-hmm. in 97. The dress. With the dress. Yeah. To this song. It's such a big deal. And I also, I wrote in my notes too that I love that this song, you wouldn't know it just by like twerking to it, but like this song is about the trappings of fame. It's a cautionary tale. I wrote down some of the lyrics of this one too. It says, the race is on to get out of the bottom. The top is high, so your roots are forgotten. Giving is good as long as you're getting. What's driving you is ambition, I'm betting. So then when they say swing it, shake it, move it, make it, who do you think you are? Trust it, use it, prove it, groove it, show me how good you are. It's clever because it's like, they're telling you to dance, obviously. You're at a club, dance. But also, right. it's also dance, bitch. Why do you think you deserve to be famous? You know what I mean? What do you? What is it about you that you think? And it's so funny because this is like the 90s. This is pre-social media. And this song relates to everybody now. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, one thing that the girls, the Spice Girls have always been so amazing at is writing these songs that have actual 
themes and meaning to them and disguising them as just little pop songs that you wouldn't even think. But that's the, the genius of it all, really. That's what makes it so amazing. Sorry, I love this part too. I thought that I was like, I love this second verse where she says, you're swelling out in the wrong direction. You've got the bug superstar. You've been bitten. Your trumpet's oh, blowing man. far too long, climbing the snake up the ladder, but you're wrong. And then the, the breakdown, you've, you've, you have got to reach on up, never lose your soul. You've got to reach on up and never lose control. It's like, it's literally a cautionary tale. Like maybe you don't want to be famous and you think you do. Yeah. Iconic. It's not always what The grass isn't always greener. <sighs> this next song is another big, big moment for me to see, you know. Me too. Okay, okay. good. <laughs> this is this I shouldn't was be surprised. I, I also should preface, I love every single song on this album. Yes. But um, something kind of funny. Well, you and I are both like R&B heads, though. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've been a huge fan of R&B music. Just like the time, just from the time I loved pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I was introduced to Brandy through her being in Cinderella when I was like two or three. So I had her album. I loved Mariah Carey and Mariah Carey in 97, 98, all that time was R and B. So that was, that's my favorite music as well. Something kind of funny is such an R and B song. Mm -hmm. I tried to see if it sampled something because I heard a song the other day and I can't remember what it is for the life of me. And I tried to remember all day, but I couldn't, unfortunately, but it had the same baseline as something kind of funny. And it was like an, an old school like R&B cut from the 80s. And I was like, yo, this sounds like something kind of funny. So I saw it. It wasn't sampled, but I must have taken that influence from that era because it really has that, I hate to say the word again, funky beat. It does. But it does. On Vogue Funky Divas. But like, <laughs> seriously, are the Funky Divas too because the song, it's just so friggin' groovy. And they sound so great. And I don't know why. But Jerry's one line in the song at the end, like the last time when she goes, we got it going on. For some reason, I always lose my mind and I just go, we got it going. (laughs) (laughs) Really why I loved it when I was younger is because Emma was always my favorite Spice Girl and she owns this song. Yeah. I mean, her, Emma is so good at that. Obviously her voice is very sweet, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's perfectly pitched. Like she's always perfectly pitched. And she's always like, she's so melodic and just, I don't know. I just, I love her so much. Emma was always my, one of my favorite. She wasn't my favorite favorite, but she was like second favorite. We'll have to do our ranking at the end of this review because I'm curious. We've done this in the beginning, but we'll do it at the end. But yes, back to the iconic song (laughs) yeah so it's just it's great because it's hers and i just love the sound of her voice and i always love her i feel like they always pair her in contrast to mel b because they're so opposite so they sound really cool like playing off of each other um they do i find they did a lot of emma and mel b and i feel like they did a lot of emma and jerry mm -hmm. i feel like that was too for sure yeah emma's just like the perfect person to sing like the melodies of these songs too because like you said like her voice is just perfectly pitched that's all this is probably honestly my most revisited spice girl song yeah i play it all the time i i mean i listen to the album all the time but in terms of individual tracks this is definitely one of the ones that like 
stays on rotation and has never left rotation. It's just since I was two. It's always been one of my favorite songs. And I love that they always do it live and they really do give it the live treatment that it deserves. And I mean, I do I wish there was a video? I do. I kind of picked, I've pictured the video before in my head of what I think it might look like. I want to know. But I, for some reason, I picture them. Did you ever see their photo shoot with, I think it was either Ellen Von Unworth. It was for the Two Become One album when they had the uh, single and they had the dark eye makeup and they were like on a bed in like a dingy type of room. I don't know. Maybe. I'll, I'll I'll post a picture of it on one of my accounts and I'll tag you so you can so you can see. But I just I picture them like with in like just a room that's like kind of looks like a dingy room and they're each like have like stringy hair like like Britney stringy hair mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with really makeup and then they're just like singing around the room if they were stoners they'd be smoking in the <laughs> i love hearing people's visual of a song it's like i don't know why i just always picked and i always pictured like very light lighting don't ask me why but i and a lot of beige and blue oh, oh i love it i love shit like that <laughs> I love music videos. Like when I was younger, I used to want to be a music video director when I was a teenager. Well, I grew up always wanting to, I can't sing, but I always wished I could sing because I wanted to be a pop star so I could be in music videos. Yeah. And if you have my own, like I love an image and I love a performance and music videos are definitely a part of that for sure. This song deserved it, but I'll take the live performances because we don't want to be greedy here. Um, speaking of live, iconic live performances, can we fucking talk about Naked? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, ooh. Yes, we can talk about it. Okay. Well, here's my <laughs> Okay. It, I love the song. I love the performance. Remember when you said Love Thing? If there had to be a skip, what would it be? Naked would be mine. Not to say that I don't love it. I do love it. But if i if i had to say like okay was there a song that's a skip maybe naked but not even but the closest to well i get what you mean i mean it's it's a it's a song for a specific mood it's like not it's not a song for every moment of the day you know what i mean whereas most of these songs are that's the thing like i could totally see myself like seshing and having naked playing in the background and vibing out or like when i'm just like relaxing or whatever but or even like feel a little bit sexy. It has that sexy feel totally. to it. But it is a song that when it comes on and I'm just listening to music that I'll go next. Yeah. I mean, if you're cleaning your apartment, you may not want to do it to naked blaring. Do you know what I mean? And that's okay. But legendary <laughs> that performance and the balls they had to get out naked like that, especially in a time when women were totally being slut shamed for absolutely everything that they did. Right. I think that that's girl power, bitch. This is like my favorite song to picture my mom hearing me sing through my bedroom. Like I just, I just picture her walking by my room and hearing me. First of all, you know that I'm in there with a kitchen chair. You know that, you know that one of the chairs is missing and I'm in my room with the door locked. You know that. Uh, (laughs) Do you think I, I mean, listen, this might be TMI, but I'll just say this seven-year-old me. I had the concert in Istanbul. You don't think I got naked with a chair in my room and performed it every fucking time. Of course. Naked. Of course. Every time. And I, I didn't have a black blanket, unfortunately, but I had to use my brown one then pretend like it was be covering me. And uh-huh. I was like, performing. Oh, all the time. So such a freak. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> 
feel like we can skip over this song without reading the lyrics to this one as well because they are just truly i want everybody listening to this i want you to picture your like eight nine ten year old self singing these lyrics in the car younger, with your parents darling. younger five yeah <laughs> little five. like like i'm telling you what a freak i was five years old just because i wanted to be like them i didn't realize i was naked <laughs> are you ready for this it's so funny to read them and not sing it Naivety and childlike left behind, deprived of the goodness of mankind. Past encounters have made her strong, strong enough to carry on and on. Undress you with her eyes, uncover the truth from the lies. Strip you down, don't need to care. Lights are low, exposed and bare. And then of course, naked, nothing but a smile upon her face. She wants to play seek and hide, no one to hide behind. The child has fallen from grace. Don't be afraid to stare. She's only naked. She knows exactly what to do with men like you. Inside, inside out, her mind, there's no doubt where you're coming from. The mystery will turn you on. This angel's dirty face is soft, holding on to what she had before, not sharing secrets with any old fool. Now she's got to keep her cool. She wants to get naked. I mean, like... <laughs> what like we were kids singing these fucking lyrics it kills me it kills me also i totally was singing it in my head as we were reading these lyrics because it just it just fit with the mouth i just was really like singing it <laughs> so yes can't believe we were singing that at five to ten years old can't they were literally fully naked on the yeah. stage actually naked but rock on bitch totally. honestly i that's my probably my favorite part of the song just the fact that it was so crazily sexual but you know what like it wasn't like they were saying like come on what the kids are hearing today is so much crazier than this this is actually poetic it's poetic you know it's it's written in with metaphors and it's poetic whereas today they're literally like like rub my clit that's Mm -hmm. what's happening today so no it's true and the line, um, the mystery will turn you on. Like that's, you bet your ass the mystery will turn you on. To this day, the mystery turns people on. I will tell, I'll tell you guys all that. People want what they think they know, but they don't know for <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, the Spice Girls were onto something. Or was it Jerry who sung that part, I think, but yeah. And even like, I mean, before we move on to If You Can't Dance, even the, like, the image of them naked was inspired by like a 1960s movie you know what i mean it's like all of it is pure high art none of this is like just none of it is raunch it's art you know and that chair that they sit on is beautiful like the the shape of it yeah kind of like i don't want to say hourglass because it doesn't go back up but it just has it's the same chair that they sit on in the cover of the mama who do you think you are single Mm -hmm. so for those who want to check that out but it's beautiful. I always wished I had a chair like that. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically so that you can reenact this song alone. Well, yes, I thought that went without saying, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about If You Can't Dance. Ooh, a classic. Yeah. So good. So 90s in the well, best way. 
in the best way because it's, it's literally 90s hip-hop because it samples the i think it's the it's called the humpty dance by digital underground mm-hmm. for those of you guys who don't know that song it came out literally january 1990 so this is like the top of the 90s and it hit number one on the rap charts and number 11 on the pop charts. so it's like a 90s rap classic and they sampled it in this song hence why we i literally we could call the spice girls r&b girls too because this song is an r&b funk song like i could totally see like a like Destiny's Child could have totally taken this song and added some crazy vocals to it, but the instrumentals is such a Destiny's Child instrumental, mm. or like a TLC. Totally. Damn, Maybe definitely. it's a I don't know, but I think so. And Jerry's Spanish verse is legendary. Oh my Their performance God. in Istanbul, legendary. Whew. You know, I, as an adult reading these lyrics, I love the perspective of this song because they're singing about going out to a club and trying to find a guy to dance with and take home. But they don't feel confident taking any of these men home because if they can't dance, they can't fuck. And that's the true T. And I that love is, that. There was truth in this world. <laughs> you, just, you gotta know how to fucking move, bro. If you can't move on the dance floor... How do I know how you're going to be able to move when it's really important? Like, like that is, I again, sorry, I wrote the lyrics down. I just can't help myself. Um, you have to. <laughs> they said, oh, I have goosebumps. Whenever I go out, wherever it may be, never is there a Keanu, but a dweeb looking at me. But then, love that line. Sorry, <laughs> like, are love you that kidding me? But then, even okay. if I even if I do score, he's a loser on the dance floor. Take a deep breath. Count one, two, three. She's they are literally teaching a man how to dance. Uh, like, and like, I just love that they're like, I'm not gonna take you home unless right now you prove to me that you can dance. Because what the fuck? Oh, so good. I love it. I love it so much. Oh, so, so good. I, there's not really too much else to say about this except for just how amazing it is. It really should have been a single. When I was younger, I didn't realize that music videos were only made for singles. I just thought every song had a video because I was like very young when right. I was really learning everything about the Spice Girls and music and everything, right? And I remember my brother was like, I can download you any music video you want on Napster or whatever the fuck it was back then. And I was like, I want If You Can't Dance. And then he's like, there is no video for that. I was like, what do you mean there's no video for that? Of course there's a video for that. Because it was a song they opened on their Istanbul on my tape. So I was like, of course there's a video. There's a video for all the songs. And that's this song is how I learned that music videos are not made for every song. And that's how you know there should have been one, girls. This song, the fact that this wasn't a single is so crazy to me. And it wasn't even as big as, you know, because, you know, a lot of like even their side songs um, that weren't necessarily singles still became very big, like in the Spice Girls universe, because we still heard them all the time on like whatever TV shows and and, in the movie and stuff. But this is one that you just did not really hear a lot, like enough, I think. I only knew it because I had their tape of their concert and this was the first song they performed. But I, other than that, I had never heard it anywhere. Well, on the album, of course, but not in terms of like anywhere public or anything like that. Definitely not. But uh, criminally underrated. I feel like not enough people know this song. I feel like people would love this song. This needs to have a TikTok moment and go viral like Gimme More is doing right now Mm -hmm. because 
like people need to know this. And I, I am a sucker for a sample. I love God a good damn it, sample. Me too. <sighs> a good sample, not a trash one, but this sample is just so good. It fits it perfectly, mm-hmm. perfectly. And I love how at the end it kind of sounds like a vinyl is spinning and it's like the dusty. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, before we wrap things up, tell me your tell me your definitive Spice Girls ranking. Okay, are we talking like the five of them or like the songs on the album? Like what are we thinking? Or what's what do you mean? I wanna know your ranking for the five of them five of them vocally. Oh. Okay. My favorite vocal or who do I think is technically the better technically better ranking? What do you cause that's different. Technically better, like best singer to worst. Okay, Mel C is obviously the best singer. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a question. Um, I would put Emma second. Mm-hmm. I would put Mel B third. Mm-hmm. I would put Victoria fourth, and I do think Jerry has the worst voice. Wow, we have the same ranking. I, I wrote mine on my phone. But I will say this: Jerry is my second favorite Spice Girl, like in general. Jerry is my favorite Spice Girl. Well, there you go. She didn't need the good vocals. Yeah. She is she is iconic she is i don't want to be annoying but she is girl power do you know what i mean she is the spice girls she's the lead to me even though the spice girls never had a defining leader of the group it's jerry oh it it's jerry 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 is who brought them to where they are because she and ruby were really the alphas and the other girls weren't so much, if you know, if you watch a lot of documentaries, the other girls weren't really that great at speaking up. They would have never gotten out of those deals or whatever that they were in. Nobody, no masters would have been stolen. Who, who the fuck's idea do you think that was? That was all Jerry and Melby, I think. But, right. Um, yeah, no, but vocally, Jerry is the weakest. But I feel like, I mean, you just said your ranking's the same. So we all know this. Yeah. You know? And even with her voice being weak, um, it still has so much character. Like, it, it does you know and i love um well this would be for spice world but too much is my favorite jerry vocal oh, oh hell yeah yes 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 Ooh, oh i just like picture her saying around my finger oh no we'll get when the time is right it deserves its own deep dive but on this album my favorite jerry vocal is last time lover but i said that for sure yeah, well, I'm glad that you brought that up because obviously I'm going to invite you back for Spice World, obviously. Yes, please, please. I mean, listen, I will say this. My friends do love the Spice Girls, so they do listen to me talk my head off about them. But it's not enough. I need somebody who understands when I'm talking about, like when I said something kind of funny, that last line, like the fact that you knew that, recognized that and reacted, <laughs> I was like, that's when I know you're my people. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was like exactly what I hoped it would be. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Truly so much fun. And I really hope that your listeners love it. And I hope that they all jam to Spice Girls because that's what I'm going to do now that we're done recording this. I'm going to have the Spice <laughs> Girls jam. I hope we inspired them. And yeah, you guys follow me at Planet <laughs> Yeah, Tell people where they can find you and your podcast and stuff. And your Instagram. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, so the actual podcast is Planet 2000. So you would just, how you spell Planet and 2000s, 2000 with a little S. And it's available everywhere. You can get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Deezer. I don't know whatever else y'all listen on, but it's there. And Instagram is the same. You can also, if you want to follow my personal page, you could totally do that too. It's just my name, Michael Kadosh. Um, but yeah, no, Planet 2000s is where it's at, y'all. And Dunzo Podcast. <laughs> exactly. I love your Instagram so much. It brings me so much joy. I'm definitely a dork. So I'm just like, I have, I need it. That's why I had to create Planet 2000s. Cause I'm like on my own personal, nobody cares anymore about all this mm-hmm. stuff I post about. So I need to just have its dedicated stream and sector. So that's what that's happening. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> Well, I cannot wait to have you back. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. I'm obsessed with you. And uh, I will be talking to you again very soon. Yes, absolutely. Anytime. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.